1: Welcome, family, friends, fans, and foes. It's time once again for Never Sleeps Networks talking wrestling. Thank you for joining us on the podcast today. Uh, I'm excited for uh, today's episode. I am in lovely Halifax right now, and we are uh, we are just chilling by the by the uh, the harbor front on a beautiful day. It, it's gorgeous, and. Uh, you know, things are good. Things are good. I'll tell you that. If you're listening to us right now, uh, why not check us out on any of the social medias, whether it be Talking Wrestling Podcast on Instagram, at TNW Pod on Twitter, or drop us a Gmail at Talking Wrestling at Gmail.com. Those are uh, where you can find us online. Uh, of course, we are available on iTunes and Never Sleeps Net. And remember, if you're on iTunes, remember to uh, rate, review, and subscribe. Uh, we are still doing the, uh, the postcard giveaway. If you send us a five-star rating with review, we will send you a postcard from the 80s of a wrestler from the early 80s. And uh, I saw that uh, three new reviews have come in, and uh, we'll be getting in touch with those people and uh, sending those postcards off very soon, probably in a couple weeks once I get back to Toronto and get back to the postcards. So uh, thank you for your reviews and your ratings because all of this helps build the show and uh, helps make it a better show uh, for you, for me, and for all of us. Folks, it's at this time I'd like to introduce my guest this evening, this afternoon, or this morning, depending on when you're listening to this. You know, when I was coming up as a comedian, uh, the booker... Uh, in Ottawa, he used to, he knew I loved wrestling, so he would always put me with guys that also liked wrestling and uh you know and one of those guys uh i'm excited to have right now beside me uh somebody i've known for pretty much my entire career in comedy at least 20 years i've known him for uh always enjoyed working with him always enjoyed uh you know watching him work as well uh a master of impersonations uh, a master of his craft a comedy uh mark walker is sitting with me right now thanks for being on the show mark thanks for
0: having me i forget the old
1: uh the old wrestling bit. Was it still like Hogan Savage one I was doing or? Yeah. Well, you were doing at one time when you came through, you just shaved your head and you were wearing a stone cold shirt.
0: Yeah. I was doing uh, the, yeah, but uh, the funny thing is I got to grow my hair back. Yes. And you were, you were uh, bald as well. You did the bald, bald thing as for as well. yeah. yeah.
1: I was more Bundy-esque than uh, stone cold.
0: Yeah. I was, uh, I was more Dr. Evil.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but, but you had the impersonation down. So
0: yeah, I would, uh, I would do that. And I would, uh, Kind of did the switch over to The Rock a bit, Dwayne Johnson. Yeah. Um, still, my favorite was of all time is still Piper. That yeah. was fun to do.
1: Yeah, Piper is like the best. And if you can get that voice down and that laugh and the the cadence of it, you know, that that's pretty sweet. I heard he hated anybody doing impressions of him. Really? Is
0: what I heard. I heard he just did not like it, didn't care for it at all. <laughs> I got to see him in person once. It was back when uh, one of the comedy clubs where we used to do the uh, Children's Miracle Network telethon okay. through the night. And we go, it, we would run it out of the comedy club from about 2 in the morning until about 6 in the morning. And Piper was in town doing, um, I think it was the one with Billy Blanks back. Uh, in action, okay, so he was like really like in his heyday as a, as an actor, yeah. Like he was like he, he looked like a movie star, he was six 6'2 and you know very trim yeah. by by what you would expect of him from his wrestling days. And it was uh Dave Duvall and Mark Breslin used to host that event, and he was actually cutting a promo because he was uh doing the movie but he was uh building up uh, the feud with gold dust where they had that backlot match oh, yeah, at WrestleMania, brawl, yeah. yeah. And they uh so he was he was sort of building that one up, and um. I was sitting next to uh, another Ottawa legend, uh, Jeremy Hotz uh, mm-hmm. comic, who loved wrestling as well and loved Roddy Piper. And we were just kind of standing there, and, they, and, and Roddy was at the booth. He's going, he's going, yeah, well, you know, I'm kind of semi-retired from wrestling, but gold dust has been running his mouth, and I'm going to, you know, and he was all uh, cutting the promo. And Mark, the owner of the club, actually cut him off and said, well, that's all the time we have for that. And I've heard the stories about how fast Roddy was, like he could really move quick. Anybody tells stories about Roddy Piper is that he was unbelievably fast. Like he could move and you'd be like, wow, what had just happened? And he went from seated to hand slamming on the table Finger in, in uh, Mark's face, and he goes, "No, I say when I am done talking <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and Hots just totally lost his shit. He goes, "Fucking right, Roddy, you don't take shit from anyone." <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it was uh, one of the coolest things I ever saw.
1: <laughs> I, I, it just, Did you any, ever see him in person, or? Oh well, I've oh, yes, yes, I've seen him wrestle in like wrestling in person. Like yeah. my greatest moment that I've ever seen live. At a wrestling event was uh, Ric Flair's debut into the WWE, oh. and he walks out in Ottawa with the Real World title. Oh yeah! And he walks up to Piper and he's like, "You like this, Piper? You like this belt?" And then he slaps Piper in the head with the belt, and it was real because I was that. That was at the <laughs> let's say in the at the face-off circle of the home end of the oh, yeah. hockey rink, and I was center ice. Yeah, and I was twenty rows up, and I could hear the smack of the belt. On his face. And then that segment, if you watch it, it's quite amazing because Vince McMahon also gets a chair across the back. That's in uh, the best of Ric Flair and the best of Rowdy, Rowdy Paper. And it's the greatest moment I've seen live in wrestling for me. Uh, followed by Goldberg and uh, Brock Lesnar last year at Survivor Series, which was amazing. But oh yeah, but I've never got to meet Piper. So many people, like he was coming into Toronto so much uh, in the in the last ten years before before he died. Like, well, I already got. Uh, he became pretty good friends with Russell Peters, and they would hang out at the store a lot or something. They would, and not only that, he would go over to Russell's and hang out and watch the UFC cards too. Rouse used to tell me, "Oh wow, yeah, and uh, yeah." So Piper was just like. He's just a cool guy. Like he was, he would do like he did the Royal Canadian Air Force one year. Yeah, did a sketch with Craig Leeson that was like the Twelve Days of uh, Christmas, but yeah. with with Piper. It was fantastic. He's been on like Alison Dore, uh has had him on her show three different times and went out with him one night. Like and yeah, hung out yeah. with him, and he was just so kind and genuine and nice she was uh she
0: was we were living in the same neighborhood at that time and i ran into her like and she was still floating from from the experience like she was uh
1: just couldn't believe it well she talks about that i believe in our second episode of talking wrestling i had her on and she talks about her roddy piper stories and she said it was so funny because when she was a kid because her family is scottish she got this Roddy Piper sticker out of a bag of chips and she liked it because he was wearing a kilt and that was like her family Scottish. So she liked it and she kept that, but then she lost it along the way and she goes, I wish I would have had it. To show them the, like I've liked you all along, yeah. And uh, to thank her, I went and got her that sticker, and I sent it to her. And I was like, "Thanks for doing the episode." And oh she's wow! Like, she's like, "Oh my God, this, you you found the sticker?" And I was like, "Where did you find them?" Like eBay, you know. Uh, I, I <laughs> have a,
0: I have an autographed uh, back in action mug because uh, one of the guys, um, his name was uh, Paul Martin, and not the finance minister that eventually became prime minister, but his name was Paul Martin. He was in the uh, you ever heard of the Blushing Brides? The Rolling Stone yeah, cover. Yeah, 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 yeah. He was literally he was Keith. He was the lead guitarist for the Blushing Brides, but he also did. uh, He was also a Wiz accountant, and he was actually doing the books, the the accounting for uh, back in action. And he was on set with him quite a bit, and he got an autographed mug for me. That's
1: Uh, dated in ninety one or ninety two. That's great. Now, you did your comic special, your CBC comic special. Yeah. For those of you who don't know, comics was like, um, it was like, was it a half hour or a full hour?
0: It was a half hour, and I got, I just barely got in by the skin of my teeth. Like, I got the last season. season. I got in on the last season, and, you know, but ironically, I got in season two of Comedy Now. Like, I did comics in 98, and then Comedy Now, which was a full hour in 99. That's crazy that you got them
1: two years apart yeah i got it back to back yeah i missed most of the comics because i wasn't a comedian but i watched the you know the last couple seasons of the comics i watched religiously and uh the two that i liked the most tom stades i loved uh only because he had had brad lyons in his sketches yeah so i thought that was always funny yeah and uh and then yours because it was not only a comedy special but it also had a b-real so yeah. you had like sketches in it, right? Uh, yeah, or little yeah. segments. And your segments all involved wrestling.
0: Yeah, yeah. It was all the, uh, we went to the Sky Dome. It was a matinee card. And we were back when it was called Sky Dome. And uh, it, was, it was very funny because I had written a whole bunch of different sketches and stuff that I thought I would do for the B-roll. But Joe Bodlai was the producer and a huge wrestling fanatic. yeah. Um, and he was a very, very good to me. He goes, he goes. Um, when I came in to sort of submit ideas, he just sat across the desk and then the old CBC building with a big grin on his face. And he goes, before you show me any ideas, he goes, how do you feel about working with the WWF wrestlers? Uh, and, you know, we'll, we'll shoot some stuff with them when the the next big house show comes to the Dome. And I was like, sold. So all, you know, i I've written about five, six different ideas for sketches and they never left the briefcase. I go, yeah, let's. The only one I was trying to, um, I really wanted to work with and didn't get a chance to. But we just missed her by one minute was uh, when Joni Lawler was. uh China. Yeah. And that's when she was really, really jacked, like yeah. the very muscular. When she, she still was speaking.
1: Yeah. 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 When she was, uh, yeah. Before she started speaking in DX.
0: Yeah. And so I would have, uh, I would have liked to
1: have uh, worked with her. It's, a, it's sad when you talk about wrestling and everything these days and how many are gone. Like China was a really tough one for me. Because and then of course she got Farrah Fawcett that day. Yeah, you know, and with the other guy, you know, Farrah Fawcett died the morning of Michael Jackson. But by yeah, the afternoon, nobody was talking about Farrah Fawcett. And China died the same day as Prince, so nobody talks about China.
0: <laughs> yeah, it was. It was very. It was very sad. It was very heartbreaking. I mean, I saw. The lab, one of the last reality shows I ever saw was um, where they're in the house and it's not Big Brother, but it's uh, it's, the, uh, it's another celebrity one. Surreal life. Surreal life, yeah. yeah. And she was in the house and I was just, you know, my, my heart would break anytime she would start talking because she was just talking about, you know, her fears and insecurities and, and all of that. And I always felt bad for her because she had the misfortune of, you know, her ex marrying the, the CEO of uh, WWE. And
1: it happens the way a lot of things happen like it happens you know whenever you work a lot with somebody like you hear of on-screen movie romances and you hear of like you know this is not uncommon for two wrestlers that travel together all the time if they're female and, and male yeah or if they're two gay males probably too I don't know but if you're working together you're traveling together you're always together and you like each other and your chemistry is you're playing boyfriend and girlfriend yeah you know Eventually, it carry it'll carry over. I, I do believe that.
0: And she was really at the height of her popularity because she had you know streamlined her physique. She had some cosmetic surgery done. She had a, she did a Playboy layout that I think was the biggest uh Selling in sales at her time yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, she set a new record with that and she was right at the peak of her popularity and to hear her tell that story on the surreal life she goes and it just she goes i woke up one morning and it all went away yeah like she really got the 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 rug gagged out from under and i don't think she was ever really quite the same after that
1: i don't think so either she went to uh, she went to japan and tried to work in japan and uh the wrestling's a little more stiff in japan yeah. so that didn't go as well as she planned but she stayed over there teaching english and stuff like that and yeah yeah that, that whole china thing is uh it's a really sad sad story and i wish they'd put her in the hall of fame it was
0: really one of the ones where it kind of soured me on uh the current uh wwe situation yeah i just felt it was you know no no pun intended or to
1: use a storyline you know but it was a real screw job oh yeah it totally was you know it's just like it's unfortunate that hunter that you can't deal with your ex-girlfriend being on the roster so you have to send her to the other roster and then that's not good enough you just have to totally just get rid of her altogether. yeah and you know what and once you get rid of her take her identity that you gave her like and take everything that you gave her and just take it away from her. Yeah. Don't let her be China. Don't let her be this. Don't let her be that. It's a very sad story. And they're like, oh well. And then you know, Hunter's like, Hunter was Stone Cold asked him on the Stone Cold podcast. He's like, what about China? Yeah. Is she going to Hall of Fame? Yeah. And his answer was like, well, you know, the thing is right now, what if my daughters go and Google China? Yeah. And it's like, well, hopefully they spell it right and it comes out as a country. Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah, you know. Otherwise, <laughs> your kids are dumb. <laughs> yeah. But uh, if you're spelling it with a Y, well, maybe they'll see your ex-girlfriend and you can say, that was my ex-girlfriend and she was a great wrestler. Yeah. And, you know, it's like you can't get, you can't, first of all, you can't discriminate for someone who does porn while Sonny is doing a fucking porn video while wearing her fucking Hall of Fame ring. Yeah. You can't discriminate so somebody does porn when you're the one that put him in Playboy. Yeah. You can't discriminate for somebody against porn porn when she wrestled in an era that had a porn star on the fucking card, Val Venus, then you brought in other porn stars to make him legit, like Jenna Jameson. Yeah. So it's 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 such a fucking hypocrite thing, you know? It was was very hypocritical
0: and I really, uh, that's where I lost a lot of favor with... uh WWE, Yeah. And uh, I really... There's times where I don't really follow the the current uh, crew as much. I've been going to... I'm sure a lot of people have talked to you. I go... They've got a great indie circuit out here in Nova Scotia. Yeah. Uh, NBW is New Breed Wrestling. And actually, I'm buddies with two of the guys go to my gym. Uh, One guy wrestles under the name The Answer. And it's a very arrogant character it's like a sort of cut along those lines of the genius except yeah. he's much more arrogant like he actually has a monocle and he does the waxed
1: oh mustache. I love that monopoly man
0: yeah and uh, he's got a big red beard and uh and he wrestles by the answer and he's a big guy he's about 220 and he does people yell mr peanut no, Mr. Peanut. He actually, he might be going. Uh, he might be going face because his his popularity is so. They headlined uh, another guy wrestles under the name of Riddick Stone, Josh, and he's a real big, beefy boy. Mm-hmm. He's about two fifty and about six three, and he's he's been face for a while, but. Um, at the last card, uh, answer went over. That's great. And the place exploded it was at the, uh, DeBert Legion where we went. And, uh, he goes, yeah, he goes, I don't know. He goes, he goes, I might have to go face because he, people just line up for his t-shirts and all the kids love getting pictures with him. And cause he, cause he takes a picture with a kid and he makes this arrogant face. Like why is this? He, he referred to the kids as, um, wretched little urchins. <laughs> and they were, they were giving him the gears. Yeah. And uh, his thing is be silent. That's a, kind of his, his yeah. catchphrase, you know, if anyone booze him, he goes, Be silent. Yeah. You know, with the with the whole arrogant thing. And then uh, these kids great. were all there and he said he said he said, Be be silent, you pathetic little urchins. Oh, that's great. And they
1: all cheered when he when he when he went over, the place just exploded. That is so entertaining. I love indie wrestling. I go to Smash Wrestling in Toronto. Uh, on a semi regular basis. Like, if I'm in town, I will be there. Uh, super kicked, I also try to make it out too. Uh, I would like to go out to um, Santino. Uh, Morella has a promotion. Oh, yeah. But it's out all the way out in Mississauga, and I don't have a vehicle, so it's tough to get out there. But, you know, I went to a PWG, Pro Wrestling Guerrilla Card, in California recently. Oh, yeah. And it was one of the best things. Like, uh, sure, you know, and David Meltzer, the reporter, he's there, front row, taking notes. Ron Jeremy, there, beside him, asleep. Oh, really? (laughs) just dozed off. Ron Jeremy. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: You know. (laughs) Well, you talk about a guy that's done at all.
1: (laughs) Well, I was like, hey, at his age, getting an erection's gonna make him take a nap. Like, that's a lot of blood leaving his head, going to his head.
0: That's, yeah. You know?
1: (laughs) So... That's the way I look at it. Uh, so, who did you end up having in your uh, in your comics? that you work with?
0: I worked with uh, Steve Blackman, who uh, wasn't very tall at all. He was about a 5'6". sixer. That's yeah. the thing, you know, when they fudge the numbers, and you realize. And Val Venus actually, he was uh, he was in one of them. Yeah, it was Val Venus. But this goes so far back. Uh, I think my in looking back at it in retrospect, because I I just had a real you know how you just kind of can tell with certain comics, you know that yeah this is going to be a big deal, and the same sort of thing happens with wrestling yeah adam copeland and copeland was the edge Then he wasn't even just edge he was like the edge that was his wrestling name because i asked him twice because you know i really liked him and uh i was doing uh trying to do impressions but i was doing them all with stone cold i said uh i said jack nicholson here's goddamn johnny and then you know and then i then i looked at him and i said i know jim carrey and then i had tony crowley come on as a troy mcclure and go mark has never even met jim carrey so don't send him stuff saying that he knows jim carrey and uh Adam was really nice, and he said uh, uh, he said he had a hard time keeping a straight face. He thought it was really funny, and but the funny thing was, is that I had two other guys who were my entourage. Was Darren Frost and uh, Tim Nutt? Yeah. And so Adam comes in and he goes, "Well, what are we working on?" And whatever? He looks over, and sees Tim Nutt. He goes, "Holy shit, man! You're Tim Nutt. I've seen you uh, at Yuck Yucks. I don't know how many times. Man, you're really funny, or whatever." And he goes, and he goes, "So what do we do?" And I said, "Maybe something like that,"
1: because he had no clue who I was. But yeah. he was a big Tim Nutt fan. Yeah, let's replace Mark Walker with Tim Nutt, and let's just shoot that again. Yeah,
0: yeah. Man, just, just you know, I wish we, could, I wish the cameras were rolling because you could. It's like that episode of The Simpsons, and here's where little Martin's heart breaks, or whatever. <laughs> Because he had no clue who I was, but a huge, for two years, all Tim Nutt ever did was, anytime where I came on, he goes, that
1: guy knows, that guy's a fan, he's a fan. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know him, but he's a fan, he told me. He's a champ now. Really? Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, he was like, now he's in the Hall of Fame. Well, he knows who the best is, you know. That was a real heartbreaker when he had to retire. Oh yeah, because it was so sudden.
0: Yeah, and he was. Um, well, I remember when he had that neck surgery, and I was like, "Boy, I don't know if he's going to come back from that." Because it's kind of the same deal Austin had. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you've read, you know, if you've read uh, Mick Foley's book, uh, like you know as well as anyone, uh, Mick Foley said he goes, "Steve Austin was was so going above the call of duty, like he in his absolute heyday of the Austin era, he really shouldn't have
1: been in the ring." Oh yeah, exactly. Even when he was. not supposed to be in the ring doing stuff and i'll just do a promo well the promo turns into three stunners and that's like physical that's you know that's that's wear and tear on your body
0: yeah he was uh he was actually really good friends with uh joni lawler as well like uh yeah he was the one that talked her into doing that cartwheel into the elbow into the turnbuckle oh i love that yeah 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 uh the in all places uh he dared her to do it i think it was about 20 or 50 bucks he yeah. paid out to her in Moncton in the Moncton Coliseum in Moncton, New Brunswick, was where that that bit of uh, wrestling history unfolded.
1: X Pac has and been. The place on. went nuts. Of course, it's uh who used to do that. big the great Muda used to do that. The sort of the running cartwheel handspring into that elbow. It's yeah. so gorgeous. But Stone Cold, like him, the fact that he he liked working with China. Yeah. He's like I liked working with her. She punched lighter. Yeah. You know her elbows were very light. Yeah. Very, very, it's a very easy night working with China. And he goes, and he goes, like, an expat was on a show, and he goes, Well, I, I'll thank you for her because a lot of the guys, you know, did not want to work with her because it's a woman. Mm-hmm. And he's like, But if you're stepping up and you're letting her fight and you're putting her over, yeah. Well, if Steve's doing it, then everybody else has to do it. Yeah. And they they made it real. Like, I was, I, thought for real China could beat up all of these men like
0: well remember when he actually put the stunner on her and I think it was Survivor Series I was in Calgary at the other side sports bar they ran it
1: live yeah
0: and uh, we went there I used to love I used to love hanging out at the Blackfoot Inn on a Sunday because you get like you know sometimes 12 comics yeah and all all, most of the comics are huge wrestling fanatics yeah because I've always said it's basically the same kind of life different art form but the same life you're on the road a lot yeah and I mean I remember even reading Bret Hart's book and thinking and man, um I played all those bars that the wrestlers went drinking
1: in during the Stampede Wrestling days. When I used to go out to Calgary when I first started going out and I'd start driving these roads I would think that, like, Dynamite Kid and Bad News Brown and Davey Boy Smith and yeah. Bret Hart, like, they've all traveled these exact same roads yeah. to these exact same towns. Like, you go through Drumheller, you see the Stu Hart statue, yeah. you know, the old dinosaur. Yeah, that, uh, You know, when I read that in the book, I started laughing because, like, I, yeah, I pass that dinosaur every single year. It seems like.
0: Well, the uh, WWE wrestlers used to stay at the Blackfoot. I heard stories about uh, Mike D'Ambra having a few brews with Austin one time. I wish.
1: I w- I've never been there. When I, the never, I card, was never there either. And, but I've heard they do stay out there you because yeah. it's, it's a hotel that is out of the way easy to get on the highway yeah and nobody bothers them and yep. it has a bar a really good bar right you know with hot waitresses
0: and uh and then and, and uh steve was even saying he goes oh, i never know how i go over here because of the heart feud uh so he most of the time he got he just got left alone because everyone was so bret hart oh yeah pro bret hart and they you know and that was back right, right before k-fob was broken and yeah. so you know you stuck to the storylines yeah and and, then- and he uh and he would kind of almost um god what was the one guy nathan really sharp looking guy he barred Attended there at the other side and Nathan said he was a real nice guy and he just kind of slunk in and kind of quietly ordered his course light and and yeah. uh, if anyone would come up he'd, he'd sort of hello you know because like, he never really knew whether
1: you know because you're in Bret Hart country but who like you know the thing is is people was like hey who do you think got them to bring in Steve Austin yeah. it was Bret Hart that said Vince You have to bring in this guy. I can do great matches with him.
0: Well, you want to talk about, uh, you know, I mean, he got fired over the phone by Bischoff. Oh, yeah. And, you know, he totally got the the rug yanked out. And, man, um, you know, Bischoff's still wiping the egg off his face on that one because I think uh, for, you know, pound for pound, I, I think he was bigger than Hogan. He didn't have as long of a run. But, I mean, when that glass broke and that opening cord hit, I mean, I've been I've been in house shows to see it happen, but you just even you know it's very rare of the t- TV could really translate the energy and the vibe. Yeah, you know, but when you were watching Monday Night
1: Raw. No, when you hear the glass. Yeah, and then. Breathe, like immediately, you yeah. know, like I go back. Uh, I, my roommate has the network, and we go back and we watch some of these fucking cards with Hogan on the '80s. Yeah, and it's the exact same, like the as soon as those two three bars from real american everybody's on their feet and going nuts and it's just like it's hard it's hard to like you look at the crowd differences the crowd in the 80s was a lot of grandmothers yeah a lot of parents with kids yeah but to make those parents pop yeah they're the parents you know the kids are popping you know my dad never popped for hulk hogan yeah no. Oh, I did. I held up my sign, and the guy down behind me ripped it off. He's like, "I can't say," and then I started to cry. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I
0: of course out here when WWF came to town. Um, the big feud back then was uh, Savage Hogan. Yeah. And this is before Savage went face That's in what eighty-seven. I saw live. And we were here at the old uh, the old Montreal or b- b- pardon me the old Halifax Forum, mm-hmm. which is a five hundred seater so or five thousand excuse me seater. So it's a very tight, intimate venue. And, you know, Hogan got booed because this was Savage Country. Great big banner, Savage Rules. And Hogan was doing, you know, was posing at the end of it. And these two guys run up and have this great big 20-foot Savage Rules banner. And Hogan does the, ah, go on with you sort of a thing. But uh, he really felt it – He really felt it when he came here because it's savage country. This is uh, because the Poffo brothers started with the old Atlantic Grand Prix. Yeah. Which was, um, I would go to that, the Colchester Legion Stadium in Churro, where I grew up, and they would fill it. And they would just fill that. And the energy, you know, that was the first live house card show I went to. And uh, I'm actually friends with him now. And Bret Hart mentioned him in his book, uh, Sweet Daddy Seeky. Yes. He does karaoke. And uh, he used to do karaoke Sunday nights in my old neighborhood. And I would go and hang out with him. And then we had a rotation of about 12 people. And he told this amazing story that Bret Hart... (laughs) Told in his book about uh, being in the Carolina League, and he was going to be the uh, first heavyweight black heavyweight champion. Yeah, and so the, I think they were in Raleigh, and uh, the arena was packed except for that front row. There was a front row of about twelve seats, and as they're in the ring facing each other, and the referees giving them the pat down in the intros, twelve Klansmen walk in with full robes, torches, yeah, and everything, and sit. In the front row, and when they do the back then they do the lockup, you know, where they would just kind of get each other in a headlock and then sort of discuss where they were going to take the match. And, and sweet daddy says it's funny he tells the story because he got that Carolina drawl, and he goes, he goes, I remember locking up with him and saying, I don't think I should go over to that, <laughs> and yeah. and the champ retained the title.
1: Wow, that's insane.
0: Yeah, and that you know, and when you look back at history, you know, that's that's not that long ago. That's no. that's that's an eye blink. No. in the grander scheme of things. You
1: know, that, that that could happen today. Except they'd be wearing tan pants and have tiki torches. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, Same town, Charleston. <laughs> yeah, and you know, sweet daddy
0: was—he uh, he still looks amazing. Like he's in his eighties now, yeah. And he still bleaches the hair and the mustache and everything. And uh, yeah, but uh, he was kind of the first real kind of full package deal. Like he had the moves, he had the the mic, he had everything. He the, was
1: <laughs> the first card I ever went to was my dad took us to a show in 1985 in my hometown of Iron Prior. And uh, Sweet Daddy Siki was on the card, and of what I remember what I remember the most are moments, and one of those moments was Sweet Daddy's entrance. I I don't remember who he wrestled, but I remember his entrance was he had two mirrors. He was black as can be, yeah, but as blonde as could be, yeah. And before I ever saw Butch Reed. Yeah. Steal his gimmick. Yeah. You know, like this was the black, gorgeous George. Yeah. And he had two mirrors and the strut and he wore a cape. Yeah. And I was like, this is this and he and not only that, he's jacked. He's in great shape. Oh yeah, yeah. He would he look uh, like in great shape. You <laughs> he know? was the
0: guy that could, you know, make the the pecs dance, you know, the first guy I ever saw really do that. Even yeah. before bodybuilding or bodybuilders or anything like that, he could, you know. He might have
1: the- uh, he might have been wrestling Ricky Ricky Johnson. Yeah. the uh, Rocky Johnson's brother, yeah. uh, who was also... And they all started down here, too. That's something that, like, uh, you know, is not... Uh, I don't know why The Rock does not celebrate his Canadian maritime heritage. Yeah. He celebrates the Hawaiian and the Samoan thing. He celebrates his African-Americanisms. Yeah. But Amherst, Nova Scotia, is where The Rock's grandmother still lives and where yeah. his uncles live. Yeah. You know, and I was like, why not... Uh, but then I've been to Amherst, and you realize, oh, well, yeah,
0: it's a, it's a, yeah, that's 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 where we didn't want to go for uh, road games when because uh, we have the Truro Junior Bearcats, yeah, and Amherst was always uh, to to quote one of the hockey moms, she goes, that's a real shit show.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I know people were getting excited one time. I was going to Amherst. I was taking the bus. with to We stopped in Amherst, but that's just because of smoke break. Yeah, yeah. So the, that's, that's the only reason why they get excited. They, um, but I find that funny. And sweet daddy Seeky, it was was such a great performer that night so it's sort of cool like when i would go see him to do karaoke or whatever down at the duke you know i don't know if he's still there the, the mural's gone yeah. it was very i'm very saddened to see that his mural is gone because yeah he used to have this giant mural of him in his out in his wrestling yeah. gear yeah from his heyday and it was like yeah. karaoke with sweet dad yeah, yeah the posters too yeah yeah and uh i didn't know if he was still doing it or not but yeah that's uh sort of sad uh jerry lawler tells a story after uh, he did man on the moon yeah, Jerry Lawler because he did a, a a country album. Jim Carrey sent him a milk crate filled with albums of all wrestlers and and sports athletes. Yeah. that have turned and done country albums. Oh yeah, and one of them was, was Sweet Daddy Siki's. So Sweet Daddy Seeky had an album. I have
0: one of his vinyls, a friend of mine uh, or someone I knew was a collector, and he gave me that, Mm -hmm. and I brought it. He had already autographed it from whenever it was, and I brought it into him, and it's a country album. Yeah. And you would have thought I had him doing porn on VHS or something, the way he acted. He's like, oh, man, I didn't know what I was doing then. I was really young. And he was like coming up with all these (laughs) (laughs) excuses, but he autographed it for me again. He personalized it, you know, to Mark. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, he was, um, I, I, it's funny that, you know, you, you make friends with some of these people that you watch as, as a little kid. Because I, I can't tell you who he wrestled that, that night. And it was Wednesday night, because they always did Wednesday, the house, the house shows. Uh, they would do TV. You'd get an hour Atlantic Grand Prix on Saturday afternoons mm. from about four to five, because we'd watch that and then, uh, go have dinner. And, uh, but yeah, with him, uh, you know, like uh, I, I couldn't remember who he wrestled, but I just remember just it being electric. Mm-hmm. And he's all I really remembered from that night.
1: That's like, yeah, but it's like, what a, you know, what a performance. You know, my, like when I was a kid, you know, you see certain things and you see, like, the only thing else I remember from that night, well, I have the, actually, I tracked down, um, I have the poster, the marquee yeah. from that, from the, my first wrestling event. A business went out of business in my hometown and they were auctioneering everything off. My dad was the auctioneer. And we were pricing everything the night before. Yep. Sure enough, I see this sign. I was like, oh my God, dad, look at the wrestling. You took me to like 15 years ago. Yeah. I was like, I have to have this. And my dad's like, well, make a bid. And I was like, oh, I could. I thought I could get it for free. Yeah, but I, I bid. I, I got it for thirty five dollars. Oh yeah. Started at five, and somebody like was else going in.
0: And now, was that your first. That was your very first house show you went very to. Very
1: first house show of any sort of wrestling. Yeah. Angelo Mosca was supposed to be there, and he no showed. Yeah. But they put Angelo Mosca Junior. In and he, but Sweet Daddy Siki is what I remember. And there was a Gentle Ben, the bear oh, wrestling yeah. bear, and the Zamboni driver wrestled him. So, wow. Yeah. Yeah, Rick the Zamboni driver.
0: Were you around um, um, Toronto when they used to It was every two months And it was uh, The height of the Hogan era And uh, They would do these uh, Sunday matinees At uh, Maple Leaf Gardens No I wish And all of us comics would go Like there would be Brett Butt uh, Brian Hart All these Jeremy Hots Like we'd all just go Because it was like Sunday afternoon Everybody was usually back From wherever they were On the Saturday night And It would go from about Two to five Or something like that And we would just Uh, like we would do our own commentary like back then it was still Jesse Ventura was still kind of the guy and yeah. uh and uh brian hart had one of the funniest lines i ever saw bob backland had just come back and you know bob looks you know it's politically incorrect now but he looks like a full-grown midget yeah and bob comes stomping out to the ring and uh brian hart had a line where he said being accompanied to the ring by his ass <laughs> and like we just laughed all afternoon That well, was such yeah. a great line <laughs> <laughs>
1: it does sort of follow him around the way he has that midget ass
0: yeah and the uh, the chicken wing thing too i remember one time um at a edmonton house card where i just i just became friends with bill cowan and it was a it was a sunday afternoon matinee at the uh, at the old uh, northlands coliseum and uh that's where i saw piper live for the first time he wasn't even supposed to be on the card he was a surprise oh wow and piper just turned up that's cool he fought the Million Dollar Man. Really? And the Million Dollar Man actually tried to pay off Piper. To you know, he goes, he goes, this is you know, this is three grand American, so that'll get you a good night here in Edmonton. You just take that money and forget all about it. And Piper was looked at him and he was kind of counting the cash. And they just clotheslines him and he goes flying out into the crowd and started throwing money at people. Oh Jesus! And then went in and uh, I think uh, I think Piper got the pin, but uh, I, I just remember my my mind just being blown. You yeah. Because I was Piper's the reason I got back into wrestling as an adult Mm -hmm. I just he was just so spectacular and and riveting
1: yeah and he was uh, always entertaining like my favorite uh, Piper match was uh, definitely uh, Piper and Bret Hart WrestleMania yep and the Hoosier Dome and uh, Brad, Piper had never been pinned his entire WWE career. Yeah. He only got pinned once. And that I, saw, was that I saw
0: him. It was a cheat pin. Uh, he fought Ric Flair at Maple Leaf Gardens, mm-hmm. uh, one of those uh, afternoon shows. And Flair cheat pinned him. He had his feet up on the ropes and, and got Piper on a one, two, three. Yeah.
1: Okay, so maybe the only clean pin. Yeah. You know, Piper never lay down for anyone. No. Because, uh, you know, that was his bargaining chip. Like He's like, I'm Roddy Piper. Like, Well, he never it, needed a title. And you never, you know, the thing is, it's like, you could say, oh, yeah, Hulkamania ran wild. It's like, yeah, but Hulkamania can only run wild if he has a good enough heel.
0: Yeah, you're only as good as the villain. Yeah.
1: And the villain. And he
0: was the greatest villain ever.
1: Yeah. and he In was, my opinion. No, no, I would say, I would say so too. Um, you know, he was the greatest villain and then and the, and the perfect match against Hogan like aside from Piper and Savage all the other Hogan guys he wrestled were all like bigger than him in Giants, right? Yeah, because they had to make Hogan look like an underdog. Yeah, it's like why not just get a smaller guy and make it easier? Yeah, you know, but what if the bigger guys were Hogan size like, you know, and I, I think wrestling is now is going that trend where smaller guys are, are just getting more shots because this is just what it is
0: yeah the workers yeah the workers are you know i mean and when you think about uh, dynamite kid like he was only about a five six or i think
1: oh yeah yeah there are so many good wrestlers that are like in the cruiser weights and stuff like that there's so many great wrestlers right now that it's just like you know the the giants and the a, a giant should not be a regular a regularity yeah and there should only be a couple giants well there was i mean
0: with on andre's time even even though he was really sick when he fought Hogan in WrestleMania three, yeah, it was still Andre's call. It, you know, and I, I remember hearing the story from, I don't know how many different wrestlers that were there telling the story that, you know, he's in there at the, uh, it was a silver dome. I believe the Pontiac silver dome it was WrestleMania three mm-hmm. and real Americans playing and yeah. the crowd's going nuts. And Hogan's still back there talking to McMahon going, Andre's cool with this. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know,
1: like, yeah. Cause like, you know, Andre never lost, and not only that, it's like, you know, the, a lot of times they just put him in battle royals. Yeah. You know, he would come through. He didn't have to wrestle for the title, because then you'd lose your belt, because Andre doesn't lose. Yeah. So, that's why they, the battle royal was invented for Andre the Giant to win, and make him yeah. look like he was the best. Yeah. Not only, he doesn't beat one guy a night, he beats 20 guys a night. Yeah. You know, and... uh that's why he's the king of the battle royals. It's like they were invented for him, more or less.
0: Well, I like the uh, the trophy they have now, which is Andre.
1: Yeah, that Andre the Giant Memorial yeah. Trophy. Yeah, that uh, Jesus Christ, who won it last? Mm, fucking oh, uh the wrestler Mojo, Mojo Riley. Won it last year, and I wasn't happy with that. I saw
0: him, I saw Andre in person again at one of the uh, Maple Leaf Garden House shows. Um, He was walking with crutches by then, Mm -hmm. uh, and he was a manager. His wrestling days were long. I've seen him Uh, once
1: as a manager. He managed Bundy. Yeah. Yeah. Bundy versus, I can't remember who he was versus, but uh, he was in Bundy's corner and he was wearing his white shirt with his uh, brown, two tone brown plaid. Yeah. Dark checkered jacket checkered light checkered and uh you know very sweaty yeah always you know like just it must have been a difficult life just to be that size in that era and having to deal with everything
0: well, um, Billy Crystal wrote the movie My Giant uh, about Andre when they were actually on the set of Princess Bride. Yeah. Uh, between takes or whatever, you know, Andre would just tell stories of his life. Yeah. And Billy Crystal was just, you know, like, just enthralled.
1: Yeah. It, like, uh, when I had Ted on, he tells some great Andre stories. And, uh, you know, he's like, Andre would just go into a bar and be like, do you have a garbage pail? Like, yeah. He's like, bring me garbage pail. Three cases of beer, on ice. That's it, you know. And yeah. that, and then he would just sit there and drink three cases of beer. And uh, you know, the waitress wouldn't have to keep bringing beers. You know, there they all are. Just- yeah. Well, the um Vince McMahon tells a story about you. Know, like
0: he would hold a bottle of wine because he became a a wine connoisseur yeah. at one point. He said, but he would hold a you know bottle of wine like it was like a little single serving
1: thing airplane bottle yeah like you know like a little just in this bottle. big
0: mitt you know and he's yeah and he said he goes he goes he uh in mcmahon's own words he says you know like uh, you know he said andre could polish off a 40 of vodka and barely cop a buzz just because he was
1: so physically huge yeah it's just enormous I've never met him. I met Big Show. I shook the Big Show's hand. Oh, yeah? And that was like uh, shaking a guy's hand who was wearing a catcher's mitt. Yeah. It was just such a big hand and just like, you know that part of the catcher's mitt that's like really beefy, the really thick part, like not the glove part, yeah. but right the, the, the palm, maybe the thumb part, That I just remember that was like leather. His hand was like leather and thick
0: guys that immediately come to mind for like really, really big hands was uh George Chevallo, the um Yeah I consider him a world champion because he got screw jobbed in uh, that that WBA title fight. Um so I consider him a world <clears throat> heavyweight champion but he had big paws on him and i i, I was just looking at him just thinking man, you what you know those canned hams crashing down on you would be doing you know in his prime and he was in his 50s then and uh he smacked me on the back because he came and saw a show um at the uptown club and i did uh larry holmes impression yeah and he after the show he smacks me in the back i thought my lungs were gonna fly out of my mouth he goes man that's funny i'd never seen anybody do larry holmes that's great <laughs> <laughs> and the other guy was uh I spent two days hanging out with Gordie Howe when he was 65, and it looked like two hands going sideways and two hands going lengthwise. Yeah. Gordie was a very soft-spoken man uh, but he was quite chatty once he got comfortable with you and by day two he was pretty comfortable with me and then and he talked about he goes he goes well i get a lot of odd comments about my hands he goes one time i was at a uh, fundraiser fundraiser in detroit when he was playing with the red wings it was uh, for this hospital so it was all these doctors lawyers and spouses and all this so he wasn't sure whether she was a a lawyer or a surgeon or whatever but she was like a little five foot nothing you know big brown eyes and very petite and he was in a receiving line and she grabs his hand and then she goes like takes his hand and like goes up his hand and down his hand and you know looks at him with these big brown eyes and just says to him she goes i'm so glad you're not my gynecologist <laughs> and he kept have to and gordy's like I, I, I
1: couldn't talk for an hour i was like i was just totally stunned jeepers yeah that's insane that's so funny now you told me one time you had to do comedy at a midget wrestling show yeah yeah
0: back when it was called midget wrestling um again this guy um promoter wrestling promoter uh saw my show really liked me it was a sunday afternoon and it was uh, one of those little towns that's kind of you know, kind of out there where, like, the Port dover kind of areas, you know. Yeah. It was a couple hours out of Toronto, just a little town. And they had to have live entertainment to justify the bar being the bar. The, the, the bar laws were a lot different back then. This is, like, uh, late 80s. Yeah. And so, you know, you, you had to have live entertainment to open a bar in this certain town, you know, on a Sunday. So they had midget uh, wrestling. And that's when I was doing, like, Hulk Hogan and all this other stuff and Muppets. Yeah. I did, like, Muppet impressions and... Um, so we he picks me up at Kipling Station, the the westernmost station in yep. Toronto, and we drive for a couple hours, and he's sort of giving me the lay of the land. And as we get there, it's like yeah, you realize, you know, just everyone in that crowd is not quite there you know like as an eye just a little bit further than it should be and (laughs) and, and i'm trying to do you know the most tasteful way i can you know have kermit having sex with miss piggy i think was one of my big go-to bits back then (laughs) and then you'd literally hear i don't get it (laughs) <laughs> and, as I was going to the ring, like they had this match, and these these two midgets finished their their match, and they're coming out, and one guy bounces off of my shin and does the, "Hey, buddy there you like he's gonna scrap me." and I went into the ring in this little bar and told these jokes that went nowhere and uh you know, I watched the matches, and then they were all trying to get at the midget wrestlers, but it was the weirdest thing. it's probably the worst show I ever did response wise most autographs I ever signed in really? a single
1: afternoon. Wow
0: because they would they, they would just be collecting autographs and one dude would just uh, hand me the you know the pad and the and the pen and I signed it and I hand it back and then the, the guy just looks at me and goes I really like the ultimate warrior and then he walks away <laughs> but his eyes don't leave you
1: <laughs> I really like the ultimate warrior
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> That's hilarious. And there was, um, and I actually got to see one of the one of the midgets put another midget in a suplex that he wasn't supposed to. Because yeah. so he, he goes on the suplex, and all you hear is "you motherfucker fi- bam <laughs> like this. <laughs> and the promoter looked at me. and goes, "He wasn't supposed to do that." <laughs> Achievers, that's But so- I got four hundred cash and a ride to and from the gig. From the midgets? No, from uh, the promoter. Oh, okay. So he, and he. And it, it was just like old school wrestling. You know, pick pick you up in this great big ass town car you know because you know how wrestlers always love the big cars yeah you know so it's a great big lincoln town car and he picked me up and took me to the gig did the gig he shelled out he said he said four okay yeah
1: absolutely that's fantastic now you also one told you one of your my favorite stories of yours it also involves little people your first gig that you came from truro to halifax for like it was, I was thinking, it was your first road gig, right? I took a
0: bus actually from. I was living in Dartmouth, just across the water at the time, and it was my first pro gig. And I had to take a bus from uh, from Halifax to
1: Sydney. Okay. Oh shit! That's an eight-hour bus.
0: Yeah, yeah, and That's in, a long in, in bus, January right? and a blizzard, and oh. the, and you know like. Cape Breton Island has its own weather system so everything was beautiful sunny right until you hit the Canso Causeway and then yeah. blizzard and uh I met up with Norm McDonald and Yuri Strange. Yeah. And so Yuri's uh, another Ottawa, uh, an Ottawa oh, native like like Norm and like this is Two different ways your comedy life can go, you know, like one goes on to, you know, the, the anchor of Weekend Update, which yeah. is you know pretty much the brass ring. And poor Yuri wound up doing uh, time for, time for uh, vehicular manslaughter. Yeah. yeah. But the only thing that really kept him from being in there longer was that the guy in the motorbike that he hit had yeah. uh, a higher blood level of alcohol than he did.
1: I remember when he, I didn't know him before, he went to jail, I was doing comedy. Yeah. But I know the story, because he was on the way to Kingston, and the gig was at the Lone Star, and I used to work with Lone Star. Oh, that's right, yeah. So I, I knew, they're like, do you know this guy? When I got into comedy, they're like, do you know Yuri Strange? I'm like, I just met him recently, he just got out of jail.
0: He um, he was one of the nicest guys. He very I re- nice. I really, really like Yuri a lot, and uh, and a lot of people, he told me, I saw his very first show after he got out. Yeah and you know like yuri was very very naturally funny he was probably one of the most natural and he really could have had a well he had a, he had a pretty good career going like he was on local television yeah and a host and stuff so he had a pretty good career for a while and uh, he could have been you know one of those guys who really went all the way yeah uh but he just you know
1: had some bad luck i remember his joke but, but was, a very nice man he had a joke after he got out of jail he goes, the worst thing about being in jail is uh, when you read your horoscope in the morning. And it <laughs> Romance says, will Romance be highlighted today. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I was there the first time he did that. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, you know, he's still got it. Yeah. I, uh, I, I, I think, uh, you know, he's, he's been unfairly judged. People make mistakes. Mm-hmm. But he was incredibly kind to me.
1: So what happened at the show when you got there after the eight hour travel? nor mcdonald oh it's a nice it's a friends. blizzard
0: and we're, we're staying at the really really nice hotel it's right downtown and uh, we're playing a place called which i think still exists It was called the club capri okay and it's a private it was a private club then but i i was talking to somebody from sydney and they said no it still exists so we were doing it was a public night at a private club uh just just a you know one of those on tour gigs that we would do and uh, Norm was smoking a shit ton of pot back then. He was, that's when he was yeah. really into his pot phase. Um, and he was pencil thin. He was, like, incredibly thin. But he had those hands on him. You ever shake hands with Norm? No. He's got the Oh, man, he's got, like, a farmer's yeah. handshake. He's got big, you know, he's a guy's guy, you know. And he is, you know, 6'2", six 6'3", six and very you know, very sharp looking. Like, you notice him, you know. And uh, and we were standing out, and the, the one thing that got me is that I saw him he did a Bob Hope impression. He just kind of launched into it. Remember we are talking earlier about how he yeah. downplays his impressions, but other than dave thomas it's the only guy i ever ever saw do bob hope yeah and we're standing there waiting for the taxi to come to take us to the club capri and it's a blizzard it's the snow is swirling and everything and norm just ah it's good to be here in beautiful oahu <laughs> morgan Brittany will be joining us <laughs> so, so he gets a morgan Brittany reference yeah. and uh i just remember being incredibly impressed with that and he asked interesting questions like he asked me who my favorite famous comedians were and you know who were the comedians that I've worked with that he liked uh, you know and, and he just asked smart questions and uh but we did the club capri and afterwards we were like we had a wednesday night to kill in uh in sydney and the when this one gal says we'll go to smooth herman's which is like this legendary show bar that okay. only closed about a year or two ago cool. he, he was and and this was winter of 87 january of 87 and uh so we go you know and by then i'm starting to pick up sort of the norm essence you know because he hasn't he hadn't quite become norm then he was he was very deadpan but incredibly funny but uh he was sort of starting to slip into offstage he was kind of becoming the norm caricature that we know now and he would, he would say things wrong on purpose. Like we get into the cab and he goes, he goes, ah, take us to Slippery Pete's. That's where the action is. <laughs> and the cab driver's like, okay. And, and we literally go around the corner. <laughs> you know, that'll be five bucks. And we gave him 10 or whatever, you know, so yeah. it was it was winter time. And so we go in and the the way that bar worked is you would walk in the main entrance and to your right is a long Oak bar, kind of like a okay. cheers kind of a deal. Yeah. But if you walk past that there's a, like one of those sort of uh, doors that kind of slide back yeah and you go in there and that's that's like a thousand seater club okay and that's when on the weekends where they play the dance music and fills up that club but there was nobody there yeah, yeah we we look in and with a big showroom and there's just like about a dozen of the nastiest looking biker types you'd ever want so we all just got our beers and we sat there and we were facing the main door and then again it's like it's like a scene in a movie you know like uh the door opens and the snow is swirling and all this other stuff and there's a little person midget all decked out in biker leather yeah with a real bad look on his face and he just goes st- stomping by us and goes into the main showroom and it's quiet for a second and all you hear is you motherfucker smash boom crack boom and fight and uh, norm doesn't even you know he just looks at me he goes <laughs> he goes ah it never fails <laughs> You know, Go out to have a nice quiet beer A goddamn midget shows up And a fight breaks out I'm afraid to leave the house <laughs> <laughs> I
1: love that And goddamn midget Yeah, that's the best that I don't know, but I,
0: I, I haven't seen Norm since He left for LA yeah. To write for Miller in person i haven't seen him since but i but he's got you know a mind like a steel trap and i'm wondering if he would remember
1: i think he would well he remembers the stan thompson stories i know i know those yeah yeah like those like i've heard so many norm stories from stan there are certain stories like if i got to see norm mcdonald um i used to hey you know and uh i'd want to ask him i would be like because brad lyons told me that he used to do a really uncanny brian Mulrooney. Yeah. And that was really, really good. He did it on stage. And uh, he said he also did an amazing Howard Wagman. I have never seen that one. I would love to see that one. But I've only known one other person to do Howard Wagman, and it's John Doerr and Johns is like uncanny he's got his mannerisms down and everything Tim
0: Conlon could actually do one
1: I'd like to see it too because Because
0: I uh, um, you know Tim was kind of one of the guys uh, that you know would be there were two guys that I became friends with while I was still living here in Halifax and they'd come through town and Mm they were working comics and the first one's Tony Crollo, and the other one's Tim Conlon and I did, you know, Ottawa for the first time, and Tim was still living in Toronto, and uh, and uh, he said, uh, he goes, he goes, oh yeah, let me guess, you just tore the roof off of the place, and then Saturday night you go to get paid, and Howie's sitting there like, how do you think it went? Yeah,
1: <laughs> <laughs> and that's so funny because like I can't tell you how many times when people walk off stage, I, I'm like, I'm like, how'd you like that? Yeah, sometimes you don't want like, if people don't do great, but they think they do great, and like well I like I remember one time. I, I first time I headlined the Super Club in Toronto, you know, I had great sets and everything. And then I went there the next weekend to watch my nemesis, Bill McIntosh.
0: Oh, my gosh! And
1: uh, I watched him like just struggle through the second half of his set. And I saw it. And then he walked off stage and he's like, that went great. And I was like, that went great. <laughs> I was like, "What are you talking about? I saw a train wreck."
0: Another, uh, another Ottawa legend, uh, Ricky Rick Curry. Yeah, um, we Rick was hosting a co-feature with me and another comic that we would always say. I don't want to name names, but we used to we used to say he was the master of the phantom set. Like he would always think it went way better than it did. Yeah. So he went up before me that night, and it was a Friday night. It was a snowstorm at the second London club, and. We all just had our hits and misses that night because it was a snowstorm and the club was half full back when yeah. a half full club was something quite shocking. And... Uh so you know he did okay um i think i did a little bit better like but not by much you know but i got a few more laughs. yeah and you know but, but like i said it was hits and misses but he comes up to me with rick standing there and he goes hey man i'm sorry i went down like that you know but i gotta do what i gotta do and you know like, like you know i heard mark you know <clears throat> checks the clubs and sees if i'm doing this particular bit or not and i gotta bring the thunder and dah, 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 dah. And then he walks away and of course ricky you know he's Ricky's one of the most uh, soft-spoken. Like, but every everything he said is is not ever never a wasted word. Yeah, you know. And he just there was when Ricky was there with his pipe, and he looked up and be like, "Dad, it's the most horrified I'd ever <laughs> seen Ricky look." And he goes, "What the fuck show was he watching?" <laughs> <laughs>
1: delusional
0: and that's you know and i
1: think that's one of the things that i like about comedy that reminds me of wrestling i mean there's all these egos and i bet you there's tons of wrestlers think we just had the best match ever oh yeah and it was like that was a fucking dumpster fire you know what i mean like
0: well it's like when i um they had a behind the scenes thing at uh, wrestlemania was it 19 at safeco field and it was uh, probably and it was hogan it was hogan mcmahon was the main event but it was also yeah. the third of the the rock austin ones where where stone
1: cold actually puts over Dwayne. that was a really good wrestling because it was also jericho and Shawn michaels yeah yeah it was it was, a, it was an amazing card piper and piper, came and piper showed up yeah. yeah
0: but what we didn't know and then i didn't even know it at that night was uh you know austin hadn't wrestled in eight months and he came back specifically just to put over Dwayne. yeah as a a favor to his friend and uh he was up all night i think he got he got jacked up on energy drinks and uh jim ross had to take him to the hospital because his heart rate was going through the roof so he didn't sleep a wink that night yeah uh the night before and and they're interviewing him and all he's saying is uh you know he's again it's like that comic mentality he goes he goes man i ain't been in the ring in eight months man he goes i just don't want to stink out the joint
1: yeah (laughs) <laughs> you don't want to be rusty, right? Yeah, it's so true.
0: But I thought that was actually probably the best of the three yeah. of uh, Austin uh, of uh, Austin Rock.
1: They did have their matches. They did. Go. I often wonder if there's ever going to be a Cena Rock three because they just did the one two and they each won one. Yeah. But um, I was not a Cena fan when they wrestled. Yeah. But now I love John Cena. It's amazing yeah. what a couple of years could do. He's just like I don't know. Eventually, you just get tired of. Not liking someone and now you want to like them. And that's the way I feel about John Cena. He's, and, so he's uh, one of the
0: most phenomenal guys in the fact that I've never seen an audience split down the middle at the same time. Yeah. Like half the places cheering their lungs out for him and the other half is booing this face off.
1: But that's 100% of a response from everyone. Yeah. So he's doing everything right
0: yeah because no one's indifferent to him
1: no you are the uh, him, him, worst thing wanted.
0: you can have in comedy and
1: wrestling you know it's great you you love him enough to cheer him or you hate him enough to boo him yeah and that's that's what you want you either strive for one or the other this guy fucking does both that's i how think good uh
0: i think having rick flair you know kind of put you over in his hall of fame speech too sort of yeah. gave him some cred
1: well Cena is a big drinker yeah that's what i mean flair went out numerous times
0: yeah because i I, I, but i heard john wasn't but you know rick got a hold of him and
1: uh yeah no i've heard i remember one time um a lot of people don't talk about this guy anymore but uh benoit was on mike bullard oh yeah and he was on mike bullard hungover
0: oh yeah i remember that because
1: he said flair was in town he said yeah well the nature boys in town and we went out last night and about 20 kamikazes later yeah you know i got to you know and it's just like he was hung over because rick flair was in town and yeah. took him out and partying all night yeah yeah we're yeah. horsemen we, yeah, the four they were horsemen. Yeah, yeah, they were, yeah. So uh, can you imagine uh you know I remember lived-
0: when the horseman went into the Hall of Fame after yeah. Rick and he came out and he told a story about uh he goes, Well I'm divorced again <laughs> 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 and then tells a story about getting into a fight with his fourth wife and I'm going drinking with Cena. <laughs> yeah,
1: I loved it. Yeah, it's so funny. His thirty for thirty was just on and it's uh it's fantastic. It's really enjoyable to watch But uh, I don't know. I I guess they try to make it sad, but it's like I'm, you know, it's like okay, you know, he was this amazing wrestler, an amazing talent. He was an icon in his sport. Yeah, he was above the sport. He was right on par with Hulk Hogan and uh, the biggest name in wrestling. Uh, But uh, guess what? He wasn't a good husband and he wasn't a good father. Yeah. And I was like, well, this is any elite sports figure from that era. Oh yeah. You don't think Will Chamberlain? You don't have the I like. He slept with ten thousand women. Yeah. Him and Ric Flair pretty much on the same timeline. Yeah. You know, I was like, just I was. Like, I bet you at least if he slept with ten thousand women and Ric Flair slept with ten thousand women, I'm gonna say there's a five hundred woman layover between the two of them. <laughs> that's,
0: that's an arena show.
1: Exactly. That's Will versus versus an
0: arena show right
1: there. Twenty thousand. Exactly. Didn't even include floor seats. But you know, it's like it's like the way I look at it. I was like, but this could be any athlete. I'm like, you know how many? It's like, oh, I'm I'm really sorry that the you know David Flair's on there complaining. Yeah, and I was like, shut up, David. You were in WCW. I remember watching you. Yeah, you took Tori Wilson's virginity. Yeah, you, you fucked George Clooney's. I know, uh, not no, Tori Wilson. Oh, Stacy Keibler. Kee- T- T- David Flair took Stacy Keeler's virginity. I'm like, you fucked George Clooney's girlfriend before he could fuck her. Yeah. I was like, your life ain't that bad yeah you know what i mean i'm like reed uh, developed a heroin addiction and did a lot of drugs and it's unfortunate that he died early and oh, yeah. like because of his drug habits but charlotte is uh is one of the greatest wrestlers i've ever seen in my life yeah and watching her is like watching she does a lot of her moves that were nat- that like she's really patterned her style after her father yeah and it shows and it's great except she does moonsaults yeah and she's so fucking good
0: I think one of the best and worst things that happened to wrestling was when uh, they put the movie The Wrestler out.
1: Yeah, because everybody thinks Cause it's a everyone, sad story. Everyone,
0: everyone's, you know, like, I remember when, when Macho Man died and I said, oh, you know, shades of the movie The Wrestler and his and his wife. So this was nothing like The Wrestler. Macho
1: Man had a heart attack driving down the street and p- fucking put his car into a tree. Yeah. And she, she said, she
0: goes, he was, he was good with his money. He did not, you know, when he walked away from wrestling, he stayed away from wrestling. He, yeah. he was
1: done and happy to be done. And he was loving the life he was leading. None of that. I don't, yeah, I hate when people compare stuff to The Wrestler because first of all, they don't. Yeah, yeah, this guy is on the down and outs or whatever. But you know what? Like he's still getting paid to wrestle that match, and and the match where he wrestles at the end. Yeah, it's like everybody just presumes he dies. Yeah, I was like, no, he finishes the match and he goes on to back to his van, yeah. and he goes to the next town. Because this is what a wrestler does. Yeah. There's no, and there's no, he doesn't die. This isn't the Sopranos.
0: Well, I mean, look at, look at, uh, you know, look at Ric Flair. I mean, he's he's, he's been in horrible.
1: He's still on tour, still doing speaking engagements. Yeah. Most of these wrestlers now are doing speaking engagements. Yeah. And because, you know, comics are like, oh, they're taking up stage time. Some Toronto comics are upset. Oh, yeah. I can't do Sunday night because Ricky Steamboat's in town. Well, guess what? You know what? He deserves to make a living, too. And there's a lot of people that want to hear his stories.
0: Well, Jake the Snake is riveting. You know, like...
1: Uh, Mick Foley's fantastic. Yeah. You know, um, I and I will work with any of these guys. Yeah. as I love it. I love sitting in a room hearing wrestlers talk about wrestling hey man
0: i uh when i when i the first day i met jake the snake uh first thing he does is grin at me and flip me off and i said man i just got flipped off by the snake this is great and Uh-oh. then he would rip me in the car like because it was uh, me and uh, me and ryan and him and he's going after ryan like you know and then afterwards you know we i i said uh i said yeah i said comedy's a lot same way a lot of ribbing in the car and he and uh, jake said he goes uh, he goes oh, if it wasn't for the ribs brother we wouldn't wouldn't stay sane or whatever and he asked me about whether i was married or not and i said well i had two live-ins i said but uh he goes uh, i go uh i got a problem too where i like my women pretty crazy Mm -hmm. and he looked at me and he just he goes
1: should have been a wrestler in the 80s brother they flock to you (laughs) you call me the shepherd yeah (laughs) oh that's fantastic we'll go out on that um that is uh we've pretty much reached the point we're at uh yeah we're over the hour and uh well this has been fun i hope you uh, yeah it's your time been
0: great uh, it's uh, worth the drive in and the ribs holy god speaking of ribs that that uh, i didn't know about that rib joint it's that just ribs, around right, the corner just
1: around the corner i don't think a lot of people know about it but it's the best ribs barbecue in town yeah in and Alaska's. i'm still
0: i'm still like
1: waddling oh no i'm probably gonna go for a nap after this i'm like i'll take another dump and go for a nap not that we need to know that no no, no <laughs> i don't know why the listeners that why we're in is, hour two with casey <laughs> corbin <laughs> uh mark where can we find you online uh, where can we find you uh, and uh, where are you performing next what's going on
0: um just doing a couple of i'm um, kicking around the Maritimes for uh the christmas season i got um one gig on the 24th at Brewster's Pub, in, uh, but I, I'm not sure if that's a private function or not, at uh, Brewster's Pub at mm-hmm. the November 24th. Bridgewater on the, the 16th, I think, 17th. Yep. And uh, I think that's another Christmas gig. So I'm kind of kicking around here. I want to get out west, and I'd like to get back to Ontario. It's been over a year.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, well, I know a lot of people would love to see you back, uh, and you're on Facebook. you yep. find you on Facebook, Mark, Christian Walker on Facebook, Mark Christian Walker on Facebook. Uh, of course, you know where to find me, comedian Casey Corbin on Instagram, Casey Corbin Facebook, Casey Corbin uh, Twitter. Um, of course, talking wrestling podcast on Instagram at TNW Pod um, on the uh, Twitter. How is it this uh, week with Steamboat? Steamboat is coming up soon. Ricky Steamboat, I will be working here with him December 2nd, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd. So hopefully we'll have him on, and that episode will come out uh, probably that week of December uh, 7th. I think the Ricky Steamboat episode will be dropping. And, uh, remember that's the one, uh, that's the guy Jake Roberts said is, uh, the best he's ever seen and the best you ever worked with. Ric Flair says the same thing. Yeah. You know? And it's, it's like, and I can't wait to sit there and ask him, you know, so many questions like, even in the rick Flair documentary, he's talking about how they had they made you uh, Vern Gagne would make you a wheelbarrow a guy up twenty floors and yeah. the guy had to and so he goes his arms would get so sore he'd smack his face on the ground yeah so many times and I was like so is that why you thought you could take that DDT yeah because you got used to smacking your face I remember cement.
0: I remember thinking I thought for sure Rick was dead.
1: Yeah. Well, I thought he was dead that night. I was a kid and I was like yeah. and I was a big Ricky Steamboat fan.
0: Yeah, that uh that and uh when they took the throat uh there was the lead the, up for the, WrestleMania three. Yeah. We took well,
1: the belt of the throat. Look at okay, on three feuds in a row, Morocco Fuji, they fucking hung him over the top rope by 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 Mr. Fuji's tie. Yeah. Or he maybe his belt or something like that. Yeah. They hung him over the top rope. Yeah. And then the next feud... Jake the Snake, DD... No, the next feud was maybe uh, the other one, uh, the, maybe the GDT. He got DDT'd on the floor. Yeah. And it seems like every time this guy, he's like the new Snooka. You know, Piper blasted his head with a coconut. Yeah. And then Snooker went to the AWA and Colonel De Beers pile drives him on the floor and bloodies him. I'm like, this guy's got no luck at all. When he did,
0: uh, when it was WrestleMania week uh, at the Dome, uh, Rock Hogan. Yeah. One of my favorite, because uh, Michael Landsberg always interviews... Um, you know a lot of the guys, and because you know in in WrestleMania that the city gets a whole week, yeah, of festivities, so everybody was there. And they had uh, it was my favorite uh, off the record ever they had Gene Oakland Bobby Heenan and Roddy yeah all three of them and they ended they told amazing stories you know and everybody got their their moment in the sun and everybody just loved hearing the other stories I remember Heenan cracking up Piper like where he just got the giggles you know, he yeah. had a giggling fit and at the very end of it <laughs> He goes, last question. And he went from Okerlund to uh, Heenan to Piper. And he goes, he goes, any regrets? Could you do anything? If you could do anything different, what would you do? And uh, Gene Okerlund said, not a darn thing. He goes, I'd just love to do it all again. If I could. Um, Heenan got very sentimental. He said, I wish Gorilla was here. You yeah. know, he goes, I really miss Monsoon. And they go to Piper, and Piper doesn't even miss a beat. He goes, I never should have hit Jimmy with that coconut. He ain't been right since. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, <laughs> so I was like, I try to tell people there was a real coconut They're like, no, they gimmicked it. They must have put a couple holes in it. I'm no. like, no, no. They're like when you see the anger. Oh. On Snooker's face when he finally gets up, you even see Piper talking about it. You see Piper and running. Oh yeah! I was like, it's the most believable thing I've ever seen in my life.
0: Yeah, I uh, that that was you know again the K Fab era where you were like, well, did that really just happen? Yeah. And they would they would have a lot of moments like that. I mean, I remember one time I think it was uh, Stud and King Kong Bundy uh, double teamed uh, Andre the Giant. Yeah. And they were on a Piper's pit laughing about it, and Piper's laughing his head off. I don't know whatever you know. Ah, like, oh, that was great. when you strung up Andre. And- Da, da, da. And then the next week Andre crashes Piper's pit and Piper sells it so amazing. He goes, he goes, and they double teamed me. And then and Piper's just standing there. He looks at it with the most sincere like you'd buy a car from him. And he just says, I just thought that was terrible.
1: Yeah. <laughs> he was sold it the, and you believed him. Was that the one though where he finally where he he grabbed Piper from like Piper was sitting down and Andre grabbed him? sitting down and just lifted him into the air you yeah I think that? that was the one yeah. that's that's one of the most insane things that just the strength of, a, of a, to pick up a man like a baby like that well and I just, always loved uh, Heenan telling
0: the uh, story about the, the Warrior um, Andre feud yeah and how he would just get the he'd get the stiff hit and he would just go mm. and then the third night or whatever because he talked to Warrior every time and on the third night Warrior goes flying off the ropes and right into the big canned ham yeah you know Andre just puts his fist right out in the, and of course Keenan, you could tell if just attested the warrior and he goes he goes yeah i had to go to the uh had to go to the ropes for a few minutes there to find his strength
1: because <laughs> so
0: apparently he really got his bell rung that night it was oh, some yeah. house show and uh yeah i yeah.
1: just rung his bell oh so true uh folks thank you for joining us remember though uh the ricky steamboat postcard will be signed and uh one lucky reviewer will um will he will win the ricky steamboat card And uh, all your other uh, reviews, uh, remember to send them in, and we'll get those postcards out to you. Uh, Thank you uh, for uh, supporting the show, Talking Wrestling on Never Sleeps Network, and thanks for letting us put a headlock in your ear for a little bit. And uh, you enjoy the rest of your day. Have a great one. We're out.
0: Never Sleeps Network.